Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Robert Long with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. For some more Texans draft coverage this weekend, we're going to get into the third round picks in just a bit. But Sean, you've had a chance to listen to Casario now, listen to D'Amico Ryan's reaction to the Will Anderson and CJ Stroud picks and to those guys themselves, what, what do you think? What did you think about what they had to say? Well, it was the first time we had a chance to hear from D'Amico. And uh, I think we were all in- interested to uh, learn of his reaction, you know, whenever uh, the, the Texans, you know, took Stroud, made the big move up to actually secure Will Anderson. Defensive-minded coach, he gets his cornerstone piece defensively. The big edge, edge rusher, disruptor, he was pumped. I mean, we all saw the picture of him smiling ear to ear you know, uh, embracing Casario with a hug. He said he was elated whenever the Texans took Stroud, but he said he was over the moon whenever they took Will Anderson and moved up to do so. Being at the press conference earlier today, getting a chance to see Stroud, see Anderson in person, and their reactions in a room full of complete strangers, being in that environment for the first time with their families in front of them, it was just a very, very cool moment. You put yourself into, at least you try to, into their position. Like, what is that like? Looking back at me with all the cameras and everything going on, and your world has literally just changed, evolved, really, over the course of just the last 16, 18 hours, whatever it had been at that time. You could have been anywhere. You could have been in Carolina. You could have been in Denver. You could have been in Indianapolis, Tennessee. But, hey, you're here in Houston, Texas. It's like I always wonder what these guys think. Like, if man, did I really think I was going to wind up here? And I thought it was interesting. Anderson said, you know, I think he took like maybe four or five uh, visits, you know, of his top 30. Houston was the first. And he said when he was here, it just felt like home immediately. It felt different. There was a good energy about it. And him and D'Amico hit it off right away, which I thought was really interesting because D'Amico got his guy, but maybe Anderson got the right organization for him, if that makes sense. You know, here's a guy who months ago, Robert, we were talking about, you know, maybe arguably the best player period in this entire draft, and the Texans got him. You're really talking about, and it can lend itself out to be true. Time will only tell, but maybe the Texans got two of the very best players in this draft. We'll have to see. A couple things uh, come to mind as we start this show that I didn't get a chance to get into in the last show. Uh, We didn't know the full compensation for Will Anderson. And when I say that, we didn't know that the first round pick that the Texans were giving up next year is their own first round pick. I, I just assumed it would have been the Browns first round pick. So that's a little bit scarier than I thought. I thought, oh, it's the Browns pick. Definitely middle of first round, maybe even later than that, depending on how Deshaun Watson does with the Browns next year. I I don't really know the full picture. I mean, I don't know if any of us know the full picture of who the Texans were bidding against for Will Anderson uh, with that third pick, but it, it sounds like the Falcons potentially were a team that was looking to maybe move up because the, the one thing you thought about as you watched the draft unfold, and we, we didn't know this when you and I talked yesterday, Will Levis, he doesn't go till late, 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 late. In other words, the second round. So there was no, there was nobody you were fighting against with Will Levis. So it was basically Anthony Richardson, and that's all. And you know, I, I guess the Falcons were maybe trying to move up for Will Anderson. 
So was the draft compensation a little bit steep for that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if he hits, nobody's going to care about this in a few years. It's not going to matter. But the one thing I, I, the one problem I had with it is I didn't understand why they had to give up that high second round pick. I understand the first and third next year. I, I didn't feel like moving down a few, a few spots in this draft, especially considering that, you know, this draft is not that good of a draft at the top anyway, was worth all that the Texans gave up. But like I said, if, if it works out, you know, it doesn't matter. I saw all of the various grades, um, you know, of that trade, and it looks absolutely horrible, you know, from a Texan standpoint that they just got raked over the coals by Arizona in making that move. But at the end of the day, you can choose to look at it however you want. Did the Texans believe in these two guys that they got? The answer is obviously yes. We can't talk about anything in the future. And, you know, it's only going to make sense. There's only going to be more context to it where we can really have an intelligent conversation in whether or not it was worth it. I mean, you just mentioned it. Is it ever going to be worth it? I mean, yeah, he has to perform. Will Anderson has to perform. CJ Stroud has to perform because you and I had this conversation last night. It's not really about trading up for Will Anderson. It's really about trading up for both of these guys because there was something going on here with you know a battle with Indianapolis and maybe Tennessee who knows maybe there was another team we typically learn about these things after the draft anyway if at all but if the Texans take Will Anderson at two and then trade up for Stroud the ask is totally different on behalf of Arizona but this is just my belief I don't even think it got to that Nick Casario while he doesn't say much of anything typically in a press conference setting did mention in his opening remarks last night that hey there were previous conversations leading up to the draft about movement he didn't mention a team specifically I didn't have a chance to ask him that I would have presumed it's Arizona for these reasons one or you mean the you mean the Falcons not Arizona you mean the Falcons no I mean right? Arizona I mean Arizona I'm, I'm talking about moving up from uh, 12 to three with Arizona. I was, I, I'm wondering like, which team are you talking about moving up? Talking know, about last night for Anderson, you know, you, you moved up with Arizona, but you're battling. What I'm asking is you're, you, you're battling against the Falcons is all I've heard. Is that what you're talking about? Well, I don't know who they were battling against. I think they were battling against Indianapolis and Tennessee, you know, because again, I don't think it was about Anderson. I don't think you were battling for Anderson at all. I think you made this agreement, wink, nod, handshake sort of a deal before last night. Uh, I don't think it was as organic as they want you to believe that it was. Monty Ossenfort's the general manager for the Arizona Cardinals right now. He was supposed to be the guy here if they couldn't nab Casario. Those two guys have worked together before. They have a relationship, probably a pretty good working one as well. That deal, the way it transpired last night, really kind of reminded me um, about the draft night deal with the Houston Texans and Cleveland Browns when the Texans moved up to, what was it, 12, to nab Deshaun Watson. Who was the general manager for the uh, Cleveland Browns at the time? Wasn't it Sashi Brown and Rick Smith? Those two guys had a previous relationship, good working relationship. That was almost as good as done. And that's how things get done sometimes. And I think when you want to be in a certain position, you have to make something happen. You have that relationship. You have to just go beyond what anybody else is willing to do. Sure, the trade looks like absolute crap right now in terms of like value and whatever the, you know, the 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 context is for how they grade these things. I don't care about that. 
Um, that's just based on what you're valuing these players to be right now. You don't know what Will Anderson's going to turn into. And really, you don't know what this tandem's going to turn into. Um, I know what it should, where a guy's taking number two at a quarterback and number three at cornerstone pieces of edge rusher, they should be perennial pro bowlers. They should be guys that absolutely keep you in consistent competition to yeah. win your division. You you keep saying, um, I just want to get, make, make sure I'm understanding you correctly, because I keep getting from you that you're saying that the Texans traded up to get both of them. But the yeah. reality is the Texans were at two. They drafted C.J. Stroud. They traded okay. up for Will Anderson, not C.J. Okay. Stroud. Now, okay. I don't know if you're talking about the, tra- the trade was for both of them because we're, we're trying to appease both Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans because that's the word that leaked out that Nick Casario wanted C.J. Stroud, that D'Amico wanted uh, Will Anderson. So Cal McNair or somebody in ownership, maybe it was Hannah McNair, I don't know, but broke the tie by saying, let's get both of them and let's trade up for number three. You're acting like it's both of them, but the reality is on paper, they drafted C.J. Stroud at two. The, the trade was for Will I understand. Anderson. I understand, but that's the ask. That's what it took to get both of them. If you would have taken Anderson, you're not spending anything besides your own draft pick. And if you wait, um, you know, to take a quarterback later at 12, Tennessee was gearing for him. He's probably gone to Tennessee. Tennessee makes a move. Maybe Indianapolis changes their mind if Stroud is available. They don't go Anthony Richardson. Maybe they go Stroud. If you're the Texans, you have 10 minutes. You really have less than that. Casario, so you're, really- you're, you're saying they graded – okay, I'm just want to get straight what you're talking about. You think they graded Will Anderson ahead of C.J. Stroud, but pick C.J. Stroud first because they know that would drop the value of that number three pick, Will Anderson. I, I just want to—I I don't know if everybody understands exactly what you're talking about. I just want to make that clear. Well, I think that's an ex- excellent way to say it, but you know, I, I, I don't know how to explain it to you any way other than the ask is completely different if you take Anderson at two and you try to trade up for a quarterback at three. The ask from Arizona is completely oh, yeah. different because oh, they're battle. How many other teams in this draft, Robert, needed a quarterback? You're seeing it. You're looking at it right now. You see how desperate Indianapolis was to take Anthony Richardson, where they did. Maybe they wouldn't have done that if Stroud's available. You saw what the the Tennessee Titans did, taking Will Levis at 33. If Stroud's available at three, what kind of play do they make with Arizona? You don't know. You have 10 minutes. You have less than that. Casero did a great job of breaking this down. You're going to make an offer. There's no time for any back and forth, any real back and forth. No. You no, have no, no. Yeah. Oh, we get it. I mean, obviously, they had you an offer in place. They had they had done the framework. They had talked to them in advance. We, we, yeah, all that stuff. Is, there's not time to do that. I, I did all that. the Texans, you're not playing that game. You had an idea of, you know, what you were going to do, what, what bar, what line you couldn't cross. And that's why I think, you know, a previous relationship, you know, uh, was invaluable to get a deal done like the Texans made with uh, Austin Fort and the Cardinals last night. Um, it's it's something that made sense for the Cardinals, and it's something that made absolute sense for the Houston Texans. Um, look, you could call it historic. You could call it stupid. doesn't matter what you call it. It's about having conviction and belief in your guys. And if any organization that in recent memory had the ability to – way overpay and step well out of bounds to make a deal happen. It's the Houston Texans. People are acting like they mortgaged 
you know, the future of this franchise with this deal last night. You still have nine or ten picks next year. You still have your own, uh, the Cleveland Browns first, which I don't know what the disparity is going to end up being. But if you ask me again to my head, my guess is somewhere between, you know, six to eight picks, the disparity between where the Texans could pick next year and the Cleveland Browns could pick next year, just right now. I don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, you're going to have a rookie quarterback next year. Uh, How many games are you going to win with a rookie quarterback? And it it, it just depends on if we see the Deshaun of old or we see the Deshaun that we saw last year. Because, you know, one thing that the Texans have an advantage over Cleveland next year, this division is going to be much worse than the Browns. The Browns are in a much tougher division. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Lamar Jackson news, you know, them signing him to a new contract, them getting another wide receiver, all of that you look at, and that division is going to be tough with, you know, you've already got the Bengals there, the Steelers you know, are the Steelers, they're usually pretty solid and, and probably improving next year with their quarterback getting a little bit more mature. The other thing that, you know, I don't know if we talked about last night, but Will Anderson, you talk about the player, but Sean, we didn't talk, I don't know if we talked about the fact that this is somebody that's going to help in the locker room. D'Amico Ryans, when he came in, he was a leader in the locker room. This defense needs a leader. They need a leader. Derek Stingley is not yeah. a leader. Jalen Petrie, I don't know if Jalen Petrie is a leader. This team badly needs a leader on defense, and that's what Will Anderson brings, and I think that's why they put as much value into him as they did because they think this is kind of a game-changer for the culture of the team. You know, uh, the Texans, you, 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 kind of, you kind of forget, and, you know, it's because we don't know these guys. We really haven't spent any time at all with them. We haven't talked to them, but the Texans have brought a lot of veterans and that do have those leadership qualities. You know, and the number one guy that comes to mind that's going to be in the secondary with Jalen Petrie is Jimmy Ward. Um, But here's where it's important about Will Anderson. Will Anderson, we've constantly heard the comparisons between him and D'Amico Ryans in terms of mindset um, in in just how they approach the game, how they approach their craft, um, and, and how they command a huddle. You know, there's a story that D'Amico's even recounted since he's been hired as uh, the Texans head coach when he was a rookie and he came in. I think actually J.J. Watt, upon his retirement, or it was actually when D'Amico got hired, told this story. It was like when D'Amico was was a rookie, you know, he just commanded a huddle. I mean, they started calling him coach <laughs> at a super young age. And that that's the kind of respect that that he just naturally – obtained because of the way he handled his business and with the seriousness um, that he approached the game. Will Anderson handles it much the same way. That's why these guys hit it off. I mean, that's not smoke and mirrors. That's not blowing smoke. I mean, that's just the way that it is. I mean, you're talking about an investment. You're talking about hiring somebody for millions of dollars, and it's not a five-year window to see if he works out. No, they're expecting this guy to come in and be an impact player right away. That's why you take him where you do, and that's who he's supposed to be. And just watch him play. Uh, this, forget about the stats. Just watch the guy play. He's disruptive. So I, I think in that regard, he's got a lot of guys. The linebacker core, I mentioned Jerry Hughes, Malik Collins on the D-line with him. Guys in the secondary. A former player uh, that is now a head coach in D'Amico Ryans. All of these guys to learn and pull from, but that can help him naturally kind of develop into the leader that this team needs. And coming in. The way that they did together, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, you know, going two and three back to back, um, 
you could see the chemistry, the camaraderie that those two guys, but also the brevity that they bring with them. Even though D'Amico is going to try his best, and Nick, I think, last night, if anything was evident in his press conference, tried to do this, is kind of tamp down the amount of pressure that they might feel. That's innate. They should feel it. What do you mean brevity? What do you mean by brevity? What describe what you're talking about? Well, I mean, I've even written about it, you know, talking about these two guys as cornerstone pieces. I mean, that's a heavy thing. Like you're talking about like, man, I'm coming into an NFL team and just the weight of the world feeling like that's on my shoulders to be a dude right out of the gate, whether you're Stroud, whether you're Anderson, whoever. The fact that D'Amico, and he's been consistent in this, and Casario as well, you got to give him his props, you know, have really done their best to kind of tamp down the expectations before their names were even called. But then even doubled down on it last night and at the press conference today. And just letting him know that, you know what, we don't need you to be anybody, but just be the best version of Will Anderson you can be. Just be the best version of C.J. Stroud that you can be. Yeah, And, you know, Casario said it last night, and people took it one way, and I just didn't. You know, you can extrapolate this out and talk about your little conspiracy theories all you want to. But, oh, you know, C.J. Stroud, he's got a long way to go. Well, some people took that and were like, well, maybe. What, 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 what do they say? I don't I, I, you're going to have to tell me what they're saying, because I don't know what they're saying. Oh, I'm, I'm about, about to tell you. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Tell to, me what they're saying. I'm about to tell you. People are people are saying that, you know, well, Casario saying, you know, Stroud's got a long way to go. Maybe he didn't want Stroud all along. Maybe this was strictly an ownership decision that, you know, felt like this was a moment in time where they needed to cater to the fan base and taking a quarterback in this draft class wasn't the best decision for the organization outside of just trying to reinvigorate it from having it been on life support the last three years. Um, And I just don't buy into that at all. I buy into the fact that... So people people think that D'Amico doesn't like Stroud? Is that what you're saying? I didn't say D'Amico, but I said uh, Casario. Maybe that wasn't no, his No, guy. The, the rumor that I had heard was that Casario wanted Stroud and D'Amico wanted uh, Will Anderson. That's that's what I had heard. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we've heard it all. You know, it's been not even tw- – it's been 24 hours. I mean, you're going to hear all kinds of things. I can't tell you honestly that I've actually heard that. I'm just telling you the conversations that I've been a part of and um, have listened to over the course of the last 24 hours. Hell, even just two hours after the fact, people are on these podcasts talking this mess, and I just yeah, don't yeah, buy it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like I'm, I'm having you clarify it because I'm not assuming everybody is listening to every podcast and every Twitter, you know, whatever. Like, because oh, there's, sure. there, there, you know, it just I, I, I don't like the whole people say like who, who, who are we talking about? Is it? You know, like who's saying it? I, I I don't know. What I what I do know is that the rumor was that Stroud was. This is the rumor that Stroud was a Nick Casario pick, and D'Amico went to Will Anderson, and so they split the apple, and we got both of them. But let's talk about the third round picks because yeah, uh, we we got that news tonight, and uh, they began by trading up to get the center that. We said they needed, Sean. They put a couple of picks towards moving up into the second round. They get Juice Scruggs. What did you think about that? I thought the Texans uh, addressed their biggest need uh, going into tonight. You know, they got their edge rusher. They got their quarterback last night. Um, I think a lot of people thought they might go wide receiver with the first pick, but it just kind of depended on the run uh, at the center position. And, you know, by the time – 
uh, you know, it got close to the Texans picking two centers that already dropped off the board. You know, two, I think, of the top three or four were uh, highly graded coming into this draft. Um, and, you know, Scruggs maybe wasn't a guy that was on a lot of people's radar um, because he doesn't necessarily, you know, fit the type of system that I think a lot of people thought you know, maybe was coming over with Bobby Slowick. You don't know how closely it's going to resemble Shanahan's offense in San Francisco. But everything that I've read and heard, uh, you know, John Harris has talked about this a little bit uh, this evening on Texans radio, is that this guy is extremely versatile and quick laterally, which if you're going to implore, you know, a little bit of the outside zone and inside zone scheme uh, with this offensive line, He's the perfect fit then if you're going to do that because of his extreme athleticism. Um, you know, he, I, he's typical size. I think, you know, 6'3", 304, 305, whatever it is for the center position, they're all generally around the same. Um, but he's a little better suited, I think, for what we all believe Sloak and this offense are going to do here uh, over Scott Questenberry or Jimmy Morrissey, who Jimmy Morrissey, you know, <laughs> actually – you know, the guy the guy moves pretty well, but I mean, he is nowhere near the beast uh of of a lineman that 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 Juice Scruggs is. Um He better you know, be he better be better than Quesbian Morrissey. He picked him in the second round and you know, you're picking yeah. this guy for a long term answer at center. He also plays he some slots, guard. He, he slots in right now as as the starter. I mean you address yeah, the biggest need. The offensive line is taken care of, and that's got to make you feel really good um, as a Houston Texans fan with your bookend tackles and the guard positions. You know, if you ask me right now, if you ask anybody, who are you most nervous about? You know, probably the guy that you know of the least, you wouldn't say, which is Juice Scruggs. You'd still probably say Kenyon Green because you've seen him a little bit. You saw him struggle. Yet, even though you saw him take some steps and he had some good moments last year, you do worry about the injury. You do worry about the body type. You do worry about, you know, the technique a little bit. And I think all of that's fair. But you also have to keep in mind, too, you know, with a horrid coaching staff last year, and God knows what they were really asking these guys to do out of their element. Um, I mean, they were taking. They weren't trying to win games they look like a completely different team um from the things that we saw in the preseason to the regular season and how many times did you see Kenyon green pull during the regular season not much but when you did during the preseason the guy was extremely quick extremely powerful when he got up and out of his stance and he was on the move so maybe you see a little bit more of that this year and he's better suited to be in this offensive system with Slowick. but I, I think I think you did what you absolutely needed to do with that uh, first move tonight, another trade and getting up and getting your guy at center and juice Scruggs. Hopefully he's here for a long time. Yeah. I, I I'm going to disagree. I, I think tanking would mean, you know, you're not trying to put a good product on the field. I think Casario was trying, they just didn't have, they just didn't have the guys. There's a difference between what the Rockets did, which I think was more officially tanking, which is like you're, they didn't go out and get veterans, whereas the Texans got veterans, but they, you know, between what they could spend money wise and just, you know, they just didn't have, they didn't have studs there. So, and number two, I, I just, I disagree with you that this was an atrocious coaching staff. There were some guys on it that were bad, but Warhop, the offensive line coach, the guy had been around the NFL for 25 years. He was a veteran offensive line coach. So I don't, I don't know 
how much better Kenyon Green. I think it had more to do with Kenyon Green coming in late, having the injury issues, you know, really not getting time to develop. And he wasn't going to be a good pass uh, pass blocker to begin with. And he was a lot worse than that. That's the big concern is his pass blocking. And, and that's the biggest concern on the Texans offensive line is to just get that pass blocking straight because you've got a rookie quarterback now in C.J. Stroud. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, if C.J. Stroud can uh, get a good offensive line in front of him. Um, because I think that's going to be probably the biggest thing for his development. If this offensive line can come together uh, and, and, and be better than some of the offensive lines that we've seen recently, pass blocking, not concerned as much about run blocking, but pass blocking, then it's going to make a huge difference for him. Right, right. I mean, we get split hairs, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing. You know, you could be a really good offensive line coach, but ultimately it's what your head coach, your offensive coordinator wants you to do with your guys. Um, and you don't know what kind of battles they were having. Uh, that's neither here nor there, though. I mean, I'm just glad that era of Texan football was over with. Um, the Texans, Nick Casario, you know, believed enough in a guy like Kenyon Green to take him where he did. And you could learn from a lot worse of a guy uh, next to you at left tackle than Laramie Tunsil. So I, I really, I, I know they value their relationship. You could just tell being there every single day in the locker room, how they played off of each other. Um, and I, I just I, I think Kenyon is going to take a big step forward this year if he's healthy. Heard some good things already about what the body is doing, what he's doing for his body this offseason. So hopefully that continues to uh, be the case and it lends itself out. And um, uh, the Texans offensive line, again, for what it was last year, really wasn't bad. <laughs> you know, I think it finished, you know, towards the middle of the pack in terms of productivity. Uh, when when it's all graded out, said and done, and it got better this offseason. And it should have been because you knew you were going to put a uh, rookie and a franchise quarterback behind them. Yeah, we haven't forgotten about Tank Dow. I want to get to him in just one second. Just one more point I wanted to make on the Scruggs pick because they traded up a couple draft choices. This has been a thing with Casario since he's come here. He targets guys. He likes specific guys. He's willing to not have many picks but target the guy that he wants and give up some draft picks to get him it's the difference to me between like you are really fall in love with the guy and you really feel like that guy's a part of your system and it doesn't matter to you that you've got multiple picks it's the difference between that and the philosophy of like the more picks that we've got the better if i miss on one guy maybe i hit on another guy i think analytically you know, and I heard Casario say that this is it's a 50-50 shot in the draft. Well, it's a 50-50 shot. You want as many 50-50 shots as you can get. Um, there are times where I, I like the fact that he's targeting and he's moving up. There are times where I think Casario, I'm like, no, let's let's have multiple picks. And if one guy didn't work out, maybe your next pick will work. You know, I, a lot of times I want as many bites as, in the apple as possible, Sean. I, I don't I don't just I, I can't disagree with that. I, I really can't. But I will say this, and I actually thought about this last night when Casario said that a part of my question. So I was listening a little bit more intently to that. And when he says, you know, the draft is a 50-50 proposition, it's a coin flip. I'm thinking, like, you can't operate like that. You can't talk out both sides of your mouth. Because in one breath, he talks about it being a 50-50 proposition. But in the other breath, he says... You have to have conviction when you make these picks. Whoever you choose, you have to be, you know, absolutely certain that this is your guy. Okay, if you have that belief, 
you're not concerned with that. You know what? Like we all talk about it. It's a 50, 50 shot. It's a crapshoot. We say the same thing every year. No, a coach doesn't operate that way. A general manager doesn't operate that way. Um, They're making those choices, franchise altering decisions, decisions that could very well, and it happened twice, not once, but twice last night with Nick Casario, decisions that could cost him his job. So you're not thinking 50-50, you know, I kind of like getting paid $5 million a year, but, you know, eh, I could take it or leave it. No, BS. He had conviction in both of those moves. You don't take one unless you fully believe that that is the guy, particularly when you're in the situation like the organization uh, was going into this draft. So I, I just don't buy that. I do agree with you that, hey, yeah, at the end of the day, because it is just that way for us. We're not out there busting our asses every day coaching these guys and trying to teach and develop. We're looking at it like a 50-50 shot. Um, And I want as many of those as possible. However, when you're the dude and you're getting paid the big bucks, if you've got the conviction that, you know what, this is as close to a can't-miss guy as possible, you can mortgage you know, future draft capital to go get a dude or two. I should also mention, because I don't think we mentioned last night, uh, you're not in your typical location. You're over at Sports Radio 610. So that's why everybody's seeing in the background yeah. what they're seeing that you, you guys you like that are my watching. girl. <laughs> you like my girlfriend? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know you hated the. The Texans drafted a Houston Cougars star tank. You don't want any Houston Cougars stars on the Texans, right, Sean? It's terrible. Man, tank man I did not think that was going to happen, uh, to be honest, for a multitude of reasons. I mean, the first Coop's wide house? receiver. <laughs> Coop's house, baby. The first, the first wide receiver off the board that I figured the Texans were going to take was at least going to surpass 5'11". You know, I thought he might get six foot and spikes on concrete or something, not 5'8", 165, Tank Dell. But, I mean, hey, I'll take it. Um, I heard John Harris tell a story this evening right after the pick was made and the Texans moved up to get him that he was uh, on a football field earlier this offseason with Dana Holgerson. And Holgerson stopped uh, Harris and said, that guy right there is the most explosive player I've ever coached. And Harris is like, him that kid <laughs> you know Harris is like what is he like five four and Holgerson's like no you just watch and so they watched him work out and Harris was like holy smokes and I mean just go look at his numbers go look at what he did I mean the guy is just incredible I mean corners didn't know what to do with him uh, you know he's an extremely gifted athlete super quick fast can stop on a dime um, you know, I, I think tell people his weight again, because his, this is like 165 pounds. This is one of the smallest guys that ever has been drafted period. 165. That is not much. I mean, Sean, yeah. they're going to have to figure out how to get weight on him. And the guy's been living in Houston for the last few years with the, with the ability to go to well, Houston restaurants and, and we, we haven't put it, we haven't put any weight on him yet. Sean, what's the deal? Oh, you know, it's one of the things he said he liked most about being able to stay in Houston is the food. Of course, who wouldn't say that? Um, you ain't going to put any weight on this guy. Um, you know, he's already tough as nails. He's proven that out, um, you know, during his career at the University of Houston. Um, the way he plays, uh, the numbers that he's put up, the confidence that he plays with. I mean, 
You know, he's a lay it all on the line type of guy. There's a difference, though, in getting hit by college guys. 100%. You're right. It's AAC. They they ain't in the Big 12 yet. They ain't in the SEC. You know, we can't talk about, like, hey, he's getting hit by those guys. Um, I mean, you're right, but it is what it is. Like, you see the value in a guy, and maybe it's more of a return guy. I don't know. Maybe it's more of a quirky little slot guy or somebody else they have in the backfield. Who knows what Bobby Slowick and that offense has got cooked up. I just know this. Um, everything that that dude possesses athletically, about 99% of it, you just can't coach. It's just God-given. And if I'm the Houston Texans and he was there for the taking, then I'm going to make sure that I get a chance to use all of that God-given ability that I can, not anybody else. You know, if it works, great. If it doesn't, you know what? You took your shot. There's your 50-50 proposition right there. But the dude's dynamic. Um, I'm glad they got him. I still wish they would have gotten a, um, you know, a bigger wide receiver. But, I mean, there's only so much you could do. They addressed the major positions of need. I was just looking at the depth chart, man, and you're going from left to right, you know, from your X to your Z, uh, to your Z receiver and Collins and Noah Brown and Robert Woods. You got Dalton Schultz at tight end this year, and you factor in John Mechie. Um, you know, he's kind of like icing on the cake because you don't know what you can really or really should expect from, you know, the former second-round pick. And now you add Tank Dell to the equation. I haven't even gotten to Imani Rogers yet and see what he can do for this team. But I'm kind of excited about this receiver core in this offense already, particularly because you've solidified this offensive line, at least on paper. Well, t- a couple of things that I'm thinking about. Number one, speed kills. Look, I mean, I, you watch the Chiefs, and they just put fast guys all over the field, guys with explosion, guys that yeah. are great in space. And it's one of the things that makes their offense so special. But my second thought, Sean, is, it feels like Tank Dell's a little bit of John Mechie insurance, a little slot insurance. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, maybe, maybe. And I, I, I don't think that's uh, that's a bad move. That's a bad idea at all. Um, you know, insurance, call it what you will. Look, at the end of the day, it's a business. It's football. Um, you hope he, you know, comes back and has completely beaten cancer, and he never has to worry about this again in his life. But what's done is done. It, his future, you know, quite possibly has been. It has been affected. Um, maybe not with this decision by the Texans directly, but he's going to have some competition in the room now, and that's not a bad thing. And I guarantee you, a guy coming from Alabama is pretty damn used to having some competition in the room and having to go out there and fight for his lunch every single day. So for that reason, I'm really looking forward to training camp, um, you know, that much more so. So I, I'm excited about that. Um, the The idea that, you know, you say speed kills. It's what you do with the speed and the position that you put it in. What San Francisco's been doing the last couple of years, and I think specifically really last season, they use more pre-snap motion than most other teams in the NFL. You mentioned a team like Kansas City. They've been the same way over the course of the last, you know, really five years since the arrival of Patrick Mahomes. And when you have this, you know, diverse athleticism, the big body types like a Dalton Schultz who could block, who can run, who could catch, who could do all these things. And whatever you think Nico Collins can turn into with a proven veteran in Robert Woods and Noah Brown too, who showed some special things last year with the Cowboys. You add Mechie in, you add Tank Dell into the equation with this athletic offensive line now. Um, you know, I'm really expecting the Texans to be – everything that 
you know, Pep Hamilton said his offense was going to be, but actually come to fruition this year. Yeah, I was about to say, when you were talking about all that pre-snap movement, I was like, this doesn't sound like Pep Hamilton at all. This is kind of fun. I've been looking forward to see that with the, with the Texans for years. And I'm just, I, you know, I was watching Bill O'Brien's offense that looked like it was at times looked like in the stone age. And, you know, I'm just excited to see an offense with a little bit of movement and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, let's just talk about the draft for to close things out. Just like big picture. Uh, look, if you're a Texans fan, this offseason couldn't have gone better. You got your quarterback. You got a head coach that you're excited about. You got a pass rusher that's the best guy maybe in this draft. So, you know, by by most experts is the best guy in this draft, at, at least the most uh, consistently good guy in this draft. You've got a, a wide receiver out of the University of Houston that you can root for. You've got a center. You filled that need. You basically got all the needs. The only thing that I, I've missed, Sean, and, 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 and what we thought, we thought maybe they'd get a defensive tackle in the first three rounds. But once that second round pick was gone, I thought, you know, there, there was going to be something that they couldn't address. And the other thing I thought, and I thought it would happen in the third round. We'll see what they do on day three. But I, I thought they would address linebacker. They, they went with take Dell instead of linebacker. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's about the only, and it's a minor complaint. It's about the only complaint that I have from the first three rounds. But, you know, if you're a Texans fan, I mean, you you gotta be excited. You know, are these guys any good? We'll find out. I mean, that's the only thing, you know, you could say this, we wanted this guy. I wanted, I like this guy. I love this guy. And then if they all fall in their face, they're like, well, I, I'm mad about this pick and that pick. And I don't like that, but everybody, you know, as, as, as we sit here, I think everybody's pretty excited about pretty much every one of those guys. Juice Scruggs is the only guy that I think Texans fans are just not sure of, but you know, they need a center. If he's the center and it works out, that's it. And who'd you want? You know, like all of the people that are like Scruggs, like all you fake scouts out there that, you know, say you should have got this guy or that guy. I mean, you don't know a damn thing. (laughs) You know, I, 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 I just look at it from this point. Like, I, I'm not a draft expert. Um, you know, I try my best to study up on all of these guys. Just the sure, the simple fact that they address the positions of need. And you do go look at a guy like Scruggs. Look, he was a top five, um, you know, uh, player at his position coming into the draft. And you moved up to get him. You know, they had conviction to do that. So you should feel pretty good about it. Um, you know, the same thing with Tank Dell. You know, he was uh, a top 100 player, um, you know, coming into this draft. Um, And you traded up to get him. He's dynamic. I mean, how many of those guys do you see, you know, um, in the NFL every year? You don't. I mean, I don't care about his size. Could you imagine this, though, if the Texans would have gotten Bryce Young and then drafted Tank Dell? (laughs) It's like. What are we trying to trot out here? Like some JV high school football team? Like, come on, can we get some men? Can you imagine how badly the Texans would be getting crushed for taking like all of these wee men offensively? Uh, Glad we don't have to worry about that. But at the end of the day, um, I think the Texans have done a good job of addressing major positions of need. And whether or not they do a darn thing at the next level, I mean, that's months and years away. But I'm with you. I would have liked to have seen a linebacker at this point. Um, and Nick Casario is a little bit lighter in the pocket now going into day three than he certainly was coming into today with 10 total picks uh, before moving up to take Juice Scruggs. They can still address that. I don't know how deep the linebacker position group still is in this draft. I don't know how deep interior defensive line still is in this draft, and if there are guys still sitting there available for Casario 
he's still got some bullets in the chamber where if he needs to move up a little bit in the fourth round, um, maybe he makes it happen there. But beyond that, that's kind of when, you know, I start tuning out because they become stories. You know, if they're going to do something special, if they pop in training camp or they pop in the preseason or all of a sudden they're playing integral roles for a team in the regular season and you're a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, I'll write a story about you. I'll start paying a little bit more closer attention. Might even learn your name. Um, but outside of that, early day tomorrow, what do you need yeah, to yeah. see them? What do you yeah, need to yeah, see? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we're going to continue the conversation on Monday because I know a lot of people aren't going to be even able to hear this until <laughs> after tomorrow's already started. I don't want to get too much into that because by the time this thing drops, uh, they're going to have done that. But we're going to get into what they did on Saturday. On Monday, we're going to have some Rockets conversation this weekend. Planning to do that as well. Look for a special Rockets podcast coming up on Ime Adoka and what's going on over at the Toyota center, but uh, great stuff, Sean. Um, like just can't be more excited about what the Texans have done. I'm ready to play some football after all this, man. Oh, you got to wait longer, but yeah, I'm kind of with you there, man. It's going to be fun. Uh, they've got the names. They've got, uh, they got the dudes that, uh, you know, has breathed hope and life back into the fan base. And that's what it's so desperately needed. That's what I needed. What do you think guys get in the comments, everybody out there. We want to hear from you. We'll talk to you again later this uh, weekend, but uh, have a great one. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you.